episode number 349 with Ravi Patel. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to the School of Greatness podcast. I am excited for this one because it's my good friend, Ravi Patel in the house. And if you don't know who Ravi is, he is an actor who is most recognized for his work on Scrubs. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, Transformers, Master of None, The New Normal, and is co-starring in the Fox series Grandfathered alongside John Stamos. And I found out about him from his hit documentary called Meet the Patels, which is a real-life romantic comedy that has won several film festival awards. And I found it on Netflix a while ago and thought it was fascinating. And there's an interesting story about how we actually got connected right after I watched the documentary that we talk about in the first few minutes of our interview. And some of the main things we cover today in this episode are why we fight with the people we love. Also, how making a good marriage is like making a good movie. Ooh, get ready for that one. The three things marriages need to succeed, the three pillars of success for any marriage, why it's so hard to keep focusing on your vision the longer you go, and the biggest primal need for both men and women. We talk about that, the process of how he created his documentary, which took him five years and then became a huge hit, the the upsides and the downsides of having a documentary, all the other incredible things that he's been up to. We have a lot of fun. We bromance it out on this interview. So uh, if you're ready to witness a bromance, then uh, make sure to stay tuned to the very end because Ravi and I have a pretty good time. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. It's episode 349. So feel free to share this out with your friends on social media right now or watch the full video interview back at the show notes at lewishouse.com slash three. Four, nine. And without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only, Ravi Patel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary dairy. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest, Ravi Patel in hey, the house. Good to see you, brother. What's up, man? I'm very excited uh, that you're here. And uh, for those that don't know who you are, 
Um, you're an actor, but you're also much more than that. And you also had a documentary that's one of the biggest documentaries in the world right Meet now the Patels. on Netflix, mm-hmm. which how we originally met is I watched the documentary yeah, and um, like five, six months ago, I think right. over Christmas time, I was watching Making a Murderer. Right. And then I saw your documentary. I was like, <laughs> let me check this out. Who's this Indian guy, right? <laughs> and I watched it and I was like, this guy's actually really interesting. And then the next day you tweeted me and something about my podcast. And I was like, what? Yeah. This is so weird. The, the Twitter brought us together. Twitter this is the modern together. romance. It is, This man. is it. It's the bromance. And then we, yeah, it really was. Because then we went and we met at Jones on 3rd. Yes. And I feel like we, I had a, I had a cold pressed juice. And I had a, uh, what did I have? You got some sort of a quinoa situation? No, I had a sandwich. The, uh, is that what it was? The pulled pork sandwich or something is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I, I do remember that. And uh, yeah, and then here we are. And by the way, I listened to your last episode and you were finishing up a juice cleanse. Are you still on yes, it? Yes, I just finished last night. So. I, think I have strong opinions on well, juice This is my first time doing it. And oh, my God. What was the experience? It was only three days. So it wasn't that hard. It's a good start. It was hard. Right. It's, it's like some L.A. stuff, you know. It's like I would never do this in Ohio, but being in L.A. and around it all the time, it's like okay, let me try this thing out. No, it's like emasculating to even admit it. Right? Outside yeah. Like of I LA. did a juice class. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm from the East Coast. I could never tell my friends. Right. Right. So, but was it euphoric? Did you feel a no, sense of focus or energy? No, that you I felt kind of bloated actually. Like I don't know, maybe it's just too much juice in there. When did? Hundred well, percent, it was too much juice. That's yeah. all you were having. I had juice and smoothies, and we had like some other, like a little bit of food, but it was like quinoa. Right, 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 right. So I was like, so let me tell you what you I, should have been looking for. What's that? The breakthrough moment in a cleanse is when you have the sweats and you feel awful, and it's like a, <laughs> it's almost like you're on acid or something. Right, right, it's right. It's crazy. And then what happens is you break through into like a euphoric stage, and you actually, that is the beginning of like all the toxins leaving your body right. and you are releasing all your the negative stuff, all the bad stuff. You've okay. done this then. I've juice cleansed. I'm the most yo-yo dieter in the history of mankind. I've done every single hacky uh, health and wellness <laughs> trend and I love it. And then, you know, I'll go out drinking and I'll be smoking. Like right, it's, right, right. That's, this is, this is the struggle of being. Have you done the, uh, the, the cleanse the other way? Uh, are you, have I done a colonic? Yes. I've recently gotten into it in the last couple no of years. No way. How yeah, is yeah. it? It's great. Really? It's all great. Wow. Here's the thing, man. All these things, what they do is they shake things up and yeah, they have, yeah. they kind of reset you. If anything, it, 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 it ends up being like a mental reset. Okay. Right. Cause you're just like, okay, this is a new thing I it's did. Thing, yes. Now I feel weird. Now I have to work back to, to whatever. And you define what that whatever is. Sure. Because you're starting in a new place. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the juice cleansing thing, though, when you break through, the reason to do it is what it does for your mind. Mm-hmm. It make, it gives you such mental clarity S- and, and focus. Oh, yeah. And stamina. Yes. Okay? You know, now that I'm 37 now, a uh-huh. couple things happen now to me, okay? <laughs> You're looking at me. Metabolism isn't as fast. Look, I'm a fucking specimen. You see this <laughs> across the table, right? Five foot six. <laughs> yeah, five foot six-ish. Uh <laughs> I, I, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, every time I play a sport now, I break something and <laughs> you, you and me both, yeah. man. you got to stretch for like 30 minutes before yeah. now. Oh, though I have to do so much stretching and then, uh, eight <laughs> o'clock rolls around and I'm like, you know, it'd be great right now falling asleep <laughs> and that happens. And I used to be, you know, I used to be the most passionate, aggressive, yeah. you, like, uh, uh, the most Indian Indian you can imagine, you know, sure. like, Oh, I'm going to start five companies today and then I'm going to take the SATs. <laughs> like that's me. Right. Okay. But now. All I can think about is, you know what's great? Chilling, going to sleep. And yeah. that's when you have to start 
figuring out, okay, how do I make it so I'm not tired at eight o'clock so that I don't feel guilty for right. doing less work than I'm used to doing. And that's where the juice cleanse comes in. And it's very helpful. You need to do it for five to six days. That's we can cleanse together me. if you want. You want to do it sometime? I love a good bro cleanse. Okay. Mom, Nobody give me loves six bro months. cleanse. Give me six months. Six months? Are you ready to bro cleanse? Yes. In uh, six months. Sure. Yeah. I, honestly, it could be next week. But <laughs> You'll do it whenever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Next time I do it, I'll call you. Uh, here's another thing about me. I don't ever pass up an opportunity to bond with, with wow. someone. Okay. So if someone says, let's do this thing together you're and in. it'll be weird and it'll – I'm in. You're into Burning Man. You're into all that stuff. Love Burning Man. Yeah, I've actually never been, but I get invited every year. My friends go yeah. all the time and I'm like, I just don't know if I'm ready for it. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. I'm sure. I don't know necessarily that I'll ever go again. I have a pregnant wife and we just bought a place in the valley so that I'm right. going into that place in life. Right. Uh, but – so it uh, will entirely reframe how you look at the world and yeah, yourself. And I'm yeah. not overstating. What's that. the biggest thing you learned about yourself by going to Burning Man? I think it was literally about framing. So when I went, it was probably, it was probably two or three years ago. Mm. And it is, it is an entirely new set of rules. And even the most ba basic of assumptions are thrown out the door. Okay. So you go there, there's no, there's no money. Okay. Right. People are giving stuff away. You can't buy anything, right? right. They won't even allow you yeah. to pay for anything. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest lesson, though, was yeah, they're just giving stuff away and trading, whatever, but mostly just giving stuff away. Um, but, and everyone's so nice and welcoming. It's just really cool and interesting. But I think the biggest takeaway, which actually is ironically probably material and superficial, which is not what people think of when they think of Burning Man, but in Burning Man, there's like, it's almost, it's weird if you dress normally. You're right. supposed to wear the weirdest stuff and you're half naked or whatever you're wearing. And what I real, what I realized for the first time is how much what you wear affects how you feel. And it, it was the first time I really respected fashion. Mm. I always thought fashion was like this thing you do when you need to get laid. Right. Right. Or you need someone to like you in a room. Right. And when I was a burning man, you know, obviously with the help of Molly and whoever else, uh, <laughs> I realized I had this like epiphanous moment <laughs> where I'm like, oh, that's what's great about clothes. <laughs> it's like, that's what's great about, that's why you have to like just do a weird hair. Like three days ago, I just decided to part my hair the other way. Uh -huh. After years of the one, like you've probably been going this way Same for years. Same way for years. For years. Think, go really? this way and just see if it affects you. It huh. will affect you somehow. Interesting. Wear an outfit that you're not used, that's like totally outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. It affects your experience in the world mm. because it affects the lens through which you see the world. Yeah. Right? And your experience in the world is not objective. It's what you, it's how you see it. Mm. And other people see you differently too. More importantly, I would say you see other people see you differently. Interesting. Because you're projecting those sure, things. Sure. Wow. Yeah. How hippie did that get? Very cool. I like it. So you'll never <laughs> Does that make back. sense to you though? Of course. Yeah. 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 So um, how come you go back to wearing black V-necks like myself every day? <laughs> well, I don't do V's. I'm just a crew guy actually. Okay. I'm done with V's. No offense. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is when you're six foot white guy, on you wear V's, you know? Well, when you're honestly, when you're a tall white guy, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> the world just throws themselves at you. God, I'd be like president of the world and not even a post that exists. They would form it for me. <laughs> uh, but what's your fashion like now then? Pretty yeah, it's pretty hipster adjacent, but you know, Venice. -y. It's Venice. -y. It's you know, I'm very, I'm very, you know, I generally skew towards like hip, comfortable, mm -hmm. and I care less than ever 
because I'm married. Yeah, yeah. And when <laughs> right. you're married, I'm still trying to figure out like what's the point of life when like there's no women to chase. Right. Like, that's, what is the point for you now? I, on a primal level, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> We've talked about I this. Know, right? I know. I know. So how do you? Well, men are primally motivated by seeking women. Yes. So now I have a woman who I love. Yes. Like I'm obsessed with her, and like I mean, I think day to day, my obsession right now, she's pregnant. So like, mm-hmm. my obsession. You know, we were talking about this twenty minutes, not maybe ten minutes ago. Um, <laughs> is is how to how to have the most fun with family. Mm. That's something that I find myself constantly being mindful about, trying to figure out, like, you know, with like your my wife or with, with my wife and just, uh, like spiritually on a personal level, like my wife and I are, you know, we go to couples therapy because we're like, let's make this thing. Let's just keep working at it and always make it awesome. Wow. Um, we talk about, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to make it? So like intimately, it's always exciting. And, uh, a form it's, it's artful in a sense, you know, mm. like it, we're, we're trying to look at this relationship as a really cool project that we're doing together. And it's something that we want to keep evolving and make mm. awesome. It's so your that, own movie that you're making. It's very much making your own movie. Um, you know, it's so funny because we, we, I was talking to her. Uh, she was trying to make a decision on whether or not to go to Japan with me in like a few weeks for this work thing I have. And it's funny because the way we were talking about, it, I was like, well, Sometimes when I have trouble making a decision, I think about what I would do if I was the character in my own story and, you know, who's the guy I would want to write. Anyway, we identified who that character was that she wanted to be and then realized, yeah, I actually shouldn't come to Japan. That would be too uncomfortable. <laughs> right, right, right. Because <laughs> she's pregnant. <laughs> right, yeah. When's she do? Huh? When's she In do? November. Wow. Yeah, dude, I've never been so excited in my life. Wow. I've never. Life's going to change completely. You know, everyone says that. Right? But I don't think it's like. I don't know. There's something to me that I feel negatively frames the experience by saying life's going to change. Mm. I feel like it implies like uh, a fear or like, like to me, it's like, is there any greater like uh, it, it meaning you can give to life than to bring someone into the world yeah. and, and, and like help them be happy? I mean, that's right. like the, you know, on a very fundamental level, if you read any book on happiness, they say, the the point of life is happiness. The way you get happy is the extent to which you've made the world a better place when you leave, and that is generally measured by giving. Yeah, and there's no yeah. bigger way to give than love. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really excited. I also That's just great. can't wait to like co- I'm gonna like coach my kids in every sport. Right. And I just can't wait to be a dad. That's cool. You're from the East Coast, right? North Carolina. North Carolina. And when did you move here? Because you used to be an investment banker, correct? Yeah, very briefly. I was a, I was an investment banker after college. I was in international studies, which is like a made up major, <laughs> right? Economics and these languages I was taking at the time, none of which I can speak anymore. Uh, and economics, I was a double major. And then I went into investment banking after college in and New York. So I went to school in UNC Chapel Hill. Uh-huh. And then I was, uh, working at this investment bank in Raleigh, North Carolina. Gotcha. And, uh, I got laid off shortly after 9-11 and I got like a three month severance. And I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Cause I was already, I was already interviewing at other places trying to sure. figure out a, a better life. So right, it, was, right. it was so serendipitous. Right. And I lost all that money, by the way, four weeks later on a riverboat gambling. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what made you want to move to LA and be an actor then? And when was that? Um, 
So probably a year and a half after I got laid off, I ended up in LA and I'd spend that time just kind of roaming around doing fun things. I worked for the winter Olympics at one point really? and went down to San Diego, hung out friends, like managed an Indian restaurant, taught SAT classes and, uh, typical Indian thing, typical yeah. Indian stuff back to that. <laughs> Tutoring. Uh, but I came to LA where my, my older sister is a writer and director mm-hmm. and she, uh, her, a friend of hers worked at this place called Channel One. It was where Lisa Ling and I think Anderson Cooper maybe got their start there. It's a news network. Sure. Uh, and I was really just wanted to do something that had meaning to it. So I thought news, I'll do research there. It'll be good. I'll, I won't feel dead inside like mm-hmm. I did during investment banking. And uh, so I got here, but the job wasn't ready yet. And they kept pushing it off. And during the time I started bartending and um, I kind of got like discovered. I guess. Well, I, oh, I started the poker magazine in mm-hmm. there too. Uh, when you were here, you just you started the mag the magazine. Yeah, kind of like my roommate like founded it, and then I what was the magazine became called? a co-founder. It was called All In. All In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was right there? during the poker boom. I think so. Yeah, I'm not like not in touch with those people at all. Right. You but, sold it after a few years, or no, no, no. I like left and sued them. It was like a whole thing. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> poker, poker was uh, it was blowing up. Do you there. remember? Yeah, it was on ESPN every night. I mean, when I was in college, I played it every night with the you know. Yeah, it was crazy. And by the way, this was, was the huge. craziest time of my life because it was literally like my roommate would like keep. I was applying to law schools at the time. My roommate was like would like ask me for advice because he thought I was smart, and so he's like asking my help with things. And I'm like, dude, I don't have time for this. As soon as I'm done with my last application, I'll sit down with you. And we'll talk and like. I remember I came back after pulling an all-nighter, sending an application off. I come home from the post office, and we sit down, and we talk about it. And I was so – and I knew about how big poker was getting, and I was just so excited about it. And that night, we were in like, I don't know, San Jose, and I was directing the first photo shoot for what became our magazine. Wow. And yeah. And that was, to this day, one of the craziest experiences because – Poker was so hot that like so celebrities were trying to hang out with me when I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas because you're the like founder of the weeks. magazine, so it was like a big deal. I was just one of the guys, yeah. And that, yeah, that like I'd walk around and people would be like, "Mr. Patel, we got a table for you here." And it's it just, it was surreal. And then, in a way, just kind of ironic because I eventually ended up becoming an actor mm. in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. that was my top-down experience, and then here I was, right at the bottom trying to do it. It was just, I, yeah, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, so the, the way I got into it was my sister's friend asked me to audition for like a commercial and I didn't get it. But the cast director was like, you know, Hey, I think you're talented. Like you. Do you mind if I set up a meeting with an agent? I think you and I'll be like, yeah, she sure. did one commercial casting and then you got an agent. I didn't know. I didn't even get that commercial. But she you just did a casting. Talented. You did a casting. Yeah. And then we're like, Oh, let's set you up with an agent. Yeah, there was that. And then my sister was producing this arts festival and the MC, who was this guy in the daily show, had to, like, had to go do a movie at the last second. There was like a nightly 500 person theater show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they needed someone to fill in at the last minute as an MC because my sister was producing it and they all knew me and they thought I was funny. They're like, you do it. <laughs> and I ended up doing like 30, 40 minutes of improvised stand up. And to this day, it was like, one of the like best performances I've ever had in anything. Did you so, ever do stand up before this? No, I had done, uh, I had, you know, I was like a class clown kind of sure, growing sure. up or like, you know, I would host like, you know, like the big Indian like nights in college, you right, know, right. <laughs> which looking back, those were like 3000 person events, right. but and you were hosting them and on the mic. Yeah. But that, that was, it was like college. So right, it didn't, right. I, there was no, I've never been nervous in big crowds, none of that. Sure, sure. So anyway, so I, I got like 15, 20 calls like the week after that thing in LA. Really? Yeah. So I don't remember which one of those things happened first, but like my first year as an actor, I think I did like 20, 25 national commercials. What? I did a pilot presentation. Yeah, dude. It was crazy. 
this was this was probably I'm gonna say twenty six or twenty seven. Wow. Right? Okay. You're thirty seven now. Ten I'm years. Thirty seven now, yeah. It could have been twenty five. Twenty five national commercials. That's a pretty big deal. In my first year. That's great pay. I was making so much money, dude. And it was it was crazy because I didn't want to do it. Okay. So, so there was some overlap. There was some overlap where well, the actors are like dying to get one commercial, oh. like going out every day. Well, remember I was working in that bar. So this yes. started while I was working in that bar. And I remember one day. And everyone's an actor there. Everyone's an actor there. Okay. And I'm the only one who's like, uh, whatever. That, this is a stupid thing you guys are doing. <laughs> like, like, do you see how abusive of a horrible profession this is? Right. Which I mostly still feel, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, this girl was like crying because she was just so miserable and depressed, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I, and I hate this job. And I, and it, this, this, this town sucks. And like, you know, my career's going to, anyway, she's crying. Okay. And then she just, she storms out the front door. This is Lucky Strike in Hollywood. If yeah. you've ever been there. Yeah, yeah. Walks out the front door. The bowling alley? The bowling alley. Yeah. yeah. And I, when it, oh, I was part of the group of people who like big. were first opened it. It was like yeah. a hot spot at the time. She walks out the door and then she comes back in. And she points, she's like, and this asshole, meanwhile, and she's talking about me and pointing behind her because across the street from the entrance is a billboard with my face Shut on up. It. No. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Across from where you're bartending. Literally across the oh street. My yeah. Gosh. It was one of my first, it was like a, the, some Ryan Seacrest show. Like, wow. But, uh, that, you know, it was just, it was crazy. Like my agent would call me, I remember, and like be like, hey, you have this thing. And I like would be in Vegas or something. I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to go. And he'd like yell at me. And I'd be like, dude, yell at me again. I'm just not going to pick up. Wow. I was like, I told you I don't do it. It was crazy, man. Um, and I think actually the toughest thing for me was once I actually was like, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in this. Like, mm -hmm. I, this is exciting. You know, it was a weird thing where it's like, you already know, you're like, oh my God, this is such a cool, this is a cool experience that clearly everyone here wants. Right. And it's happening to me and that's great. But I didn't, it took me a long time to figure out to embrace it, to embrace it, to, to, to understand, uh, what it, what it would mean in my life. Like, like art is a very, it's it's a very kind of tumultuous pursuit. You have to know what that relationship is going to be to you and how it's actually going to make you a better person because if you don't know that, then it's an abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, and also in doing that, you have to figure out a way to – to develop the craft, like the work ethic of, you know, specifically in acting, you know, for me, it was like the reason why I was so successful up front is because I would walk in a room and be the person who cared the least. Like, I didn't care what lines were. I didn't care. Like, I, I wasn't trying to impress anyone. And that, and that was that attractive. Yeah. That, that was, was attractive to those people because in all, and as an actor, I was super loose, but you're in the flow. You're just like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And then in training, what happens is it becomes important. And when it becomes important, you become self-aware, gets nervous. Get so, you, so you're yeah. doing all this work to figure out, okay, how do I actually get better at this thing? How do I figure out tricks? Um, you know, how do I, how do I get in the gym and make this muscle bigger while still being able to walk into the room or walk on a set and be loose like I was that first day? It's, it, it's something that I continue to struggle with. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy 
place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. And the more you care about it and the bigger opportunities you get, you probably get more tense or yeah, more I mean, worried about that, it in your I mean, head. I feel like you get that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, sure. I feel like we all, it's fairly universal, yeah. is like you know, getting better at something that matters to you while sure. being able to perform with poise. So how do you prepare now for like a big audition or a big time on set or a big moment? Is there a process you follow or? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have one specific process. Um, I have a ton of, at this point, tools yeah. that I kind of access depending on what's being called for. Some things are are small enough where I can just kind of look at it and I already know what I'm, it's just very intuitive to me if it's like straight comedy and the character is going to be a lot like right. the three to four guys that I almost always play, <laughs> right, you right. know, but if it's, um, you know, if it's something that's a little more complicated or a longer scene with important points of inference, I mean, I can tell you like on a very basic level, the first, like I'll read the script, then I'll look at the character, figure out what the character's function is in telling the story. Mm-hmm. Then I'll ask myself, okay, like scene to scene, what are the major, usually most scenes have like some point where the character's attitude changes. So I try to identify that point and then you kind of know like emotionally where you're driving and then that point is the point at which, you know, so it, it just... But it entirely depends on the on the tone and the piece. Like I just did this movie last week and it was like a very kind of – it was like a loose indie where I'm improvising a lot. And so when I'm doing that, I actually do very little work to the point where like I barely know my lines because mm-hmm. my plan in that situation is to just – Go on set and just be entirely, entirely present and do as little dick and like be as unconscious in terms of the acting as mm. possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just try to be in the moment. Yeah. Just try to be real. Yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. like what, what Will Ferrell does. Will Ferrell is something like he just like riffs all the time. Yeah. He just does as many riffs as he can to try to like get the. I actually just, it's so funny because I just, I just did something with him like on Saturday. Really? It was my first time meeting him. It was awesome. Was he incredible? Yeah. He's Will Ferrell. It was incredible. <laughs> It was incredible. It was, it was a TV show or a movie or it was like a, it was like a test shoot for this. So my friend's the director and it's for a Will Ferrell movie and they're trying to figure out this thing. And my friend called me up and said, Hey, can you just do me a favor and come right, to this right. thing with Will Ferrell? I was like, yeah, man, I'll do whatever you want with Will yeah. <laughs> Um, it was just really cool. First of all, he's just like a super nice guy. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we were like improvising together and that's cool. Yeah, it was good, man. What's it like when you get to connect with someone like that? you know, and do a scene together. Do you get nervous mm-hmm. with someone like that or? No, I, uh, if I get nervous, it's, it's usually because, 
I feel uncomfortable around the person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, look, nerves can be come from a million different places. That's yeah. one thing you learn as an actor. Like you show up with your instrument, which is affected by what you're eating, the conversation you had right 10 minutes dating, ago. Whatever. You're, yeah. It's Everything. all affects, it all affects <laughs> yeah. the song that's being played yeah. in that moment, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really get, I don't think I get nervous. Like, I would say I almost get ner- more nervous around like mean people than I do about um, like when big I'm acting with, yeah. Like if I'm acting with a big celebrity, who's like, just like really like self-involved and uh, even if they're nice, like that kind of stuff, I think throws mm. me off quite a bit because right. it, it makes me feel kind of like I need to, I need to do something to make them happy. And, <laughs> you know, then I'm like, okay, what is that thing I need to do? And right. I have no idea what it is. Right. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> Tell me about the documentary you did because it was like a six-year process, wasn't it? Yeah. It How long was. was this documentary take to film and then edit and then? Yeah. So Meet the Patels started, I would say, two thousand seven or two thousand eight, somewhere in there. It started kind of by accident. I had this white girlfriend that I never told my parents about. We'd been together for I don't know two, maybe two and a half years, and we broke up. And then we go. On, my family and I go on this family trip to India. It's- it's hilarious. What you guys do is hilarious. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, before you go on that trip, don't you go on like on a dating Indian dating retreat? No, no. So that happens. No, that no. The first thing that happens in the movie is like a breakup with with the girl, the girl and yeah. we go on this family trip. And then after that, the, the movie is basically like while I'm in India and I'm going through this like depression of a breakup. My parents are meanwhile, and my parents in like all of India are panicking that I'm almost 30 and unmarried. And so they're saying, Hey, let us set you up. Let us set you up here in India. India way. Yeah, exactly. The way my parents got married. Right. And it's like this whole other, and by the way, it's totally commonplace amongst Indian Americans, not all, but many Indian Americans will do it the Indian way still. Which is getting set up by your parents. I was just talking to someone last week who was dating a white girl, then went to India and got married. No way. And they go, Oh oh, yeah. And he's American born. It's like, Oh, what a heartbreaking thing. It's, you know, anyway, that's a whole other thing altogether. But basically the movie is about, I finally, you know, my dad, my, my dad said to me, Hey, just give me a shot at this thing. Trust me. I promise you, you're going to be happy. You did it. I'll make you happy. And I was like, okay, well, try it out. I can't argue with that. And I don't want to be the kind of person who doesn't want to yeah, try yeah. So I jumped two feet in and we got back to America. And next thing you know, my matrimonial resume called a biodata is floating around the country between many Indian parents hands in the U S in the U S and Canada. And, uh, I flew around the country and went on all these blind dates and, um, yeah, it was entirely the most important experience of my life. Not only the story that you saw on camera and how my family evolved from it, but my personal, what I learned about relationships, what I, what I learned about myself culturally and what I want, my identity, um, what I learned about how to love in terms of my sister and I making a documentary together and not being able to fire each other. Um, and then the experience of traveling with this documentary with my entire family for the last couple of years, it has been an incredible once in a lifetime experience. I'm a, a million times closer to my family. Like I've, I like love my family so much and we, we, none of this, like we wouldn't have this incredibly special thing that we have. It, it's not something that just happens. It's something that you have to be forced to make happen. <laughs> right. And we were forced because we made this movie together. Yeah. Now my dad's like screenwriting, you know, like really? we have a, Oh my God, it's the best. My parents are like famous now. It's hilarious. They get recognized every day. Wow. Yeah. They're like the best famous people in the world, by the way. <laughs> Everyone just thinks they're their parents. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're so happy. Like every day my dad's like, 
Well, three people recognize me today. <laughs> yep, yeah. I talked to this one lady for 20 minutes and, uh, you know, and then my dad recently, he told me, he's like, you know what the perfect job would be? I should be a Walmart greeter. That's the perfect job. <laughs> you just, hi, hello, how are your kids? <laughs> uh, I mean, how great of a guy That's do you have to amazing. be to want that job? That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Where do they live? Are they? North Carolina, Charlotte. North Carolina. Yeah, that's where I'm from. Right, yeah. right. Very cool. Man, do you know how many people have seen the documentary? Do you have those stats, data? I don't because, you know, Netflix look, we did, that. we did, I think we were one of the top whatever documentaries theatrically. We were in theaters for three months. Oh, you weren't theaters. Yeah, for three months. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Um, and then, I mean, the fact that, that I know that I, that I have told you before mm-hmm. is, you know, we were trending next to making a murder for right. a month, which was huge. It's, I mean, that the biggest documentary of all time or something, right? I mean, it's One got, it, it's got, it's got, it was a really big, the ratings I, were huge. I mean, I would say it was just a really big film period. Yes. If it, if it was next to making a murder for a month. Right, right. Um, so that's all I know that. And the fact that literally like, you know, no matter where I'm traveling, whether it's the U S or abroad every day, constantly. And it's from them, um, from the documentary. Yeah. I mean, not all, you know, sometimes it's from other things, but, wow. uh, it's, it's all, it's been a crazy, you know, it's all been kind of symbiotic. You and I were talking about this before, yes. like, you know, the movie came out, like I said, you know, Gita and I, my sister and I, we spent probably five and a half years editing it. <gasps> thinking, so it took how long to film it? Two years? About a year, a year yeah. and a half of principal photography. But then, five we, and a half years we, of but then we picked up stuff along the way, like right. a lot of those couples interviews, you know, we have all this romantic comedy elements. Yeah, yeah. Like we genre. It's like cartoon. Thing. It's like the animations. It's in a there. lot of, there's a lot of rom-com. Great music. Job. Thanks, Good man. Job, yeah. yeah. Well, we intentionally wanted to make a film that was, um, entertaining to people like we wanted people like my parents who don't usually watch documentaries to watch this movie and have the time of their lives while still kind of having some sort of interesting lessons yeah yeah, insight uh, about family and love Mm -hmm. um but that took us a long time and 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 it was also you know for for me it was film school so there was a lot of experimentation which what i'm really saying is we made a lot of mistakes almost every mistake before finally arriving to the thing that worked and you know in the process we're persevering we're still raising money for the documentary right. um you know, my sister and i are fighting butting heads the whole time and you know i say this all to say that at when the movie was finally done and we were like we like this movie this was after we had done i think 30 cuts of the movie oh we gosh. did like focus groups we sent them around the country to different friends they would have like 10 people over fill out these surveys we made wow. various you know variations to the film whatever um it's a lot and, of work man it was, it, it was the most work to the point where I would lie to people when I told them why I couldn't go out that night because I, they, I, I was ashamed to tell them that I was still doing the documentary because wow. they're like, dude, you've been saying this for years. For like, it's, five it's, years. It's very embarrassing. Um, wow. And finally it came out and, like we, we finished it and Sundance rejected us. Really? South why? by Southwest rejected us. I don't know. Toronto Film Festival. To, all the majors rejected us. Why? And we that? had to beg to get in. I have a theory as to why, and it's very dark and negative, but like, uh, it's because the gatekeepers, I, I, we'll get into that in a second, but the point okay. is we finally got into this, we had to like beg our way into this documentary festival in Toronto and we ended up 
like taking the audience award, like sold out shows around the corner, five to 700 people in every screening, even after wow. they add screenings. And that trend continued when we opened domestically here in the LA Film Festival, which you also won the audience award. I think we won five or six festivals in a row. Michael Moore's won best film and audience award. And he became a friend of the film in the process. Wow. That's when we got, you know, this one agent at UTA named Rena Ronson, who like really championed our film. And this, uh, this woman named Nancy Utley at Fox Searchlight as a result of the LA Film Festival as well became like a big fan of our film. Mm. And, um, you know, now we're writing and directing a adaptation for Fox Searchlight because of that. And, um, we really just got like a few key players who just were like, who fought for us and thought this was a great thing. And it's been really fulfilling to see. You know, to to see that the audience, like that, it finally got to the audience. You know, it ended up being on Netflix, went to theaters, all these things, and then you know, just the way it happened on Netflix without really any marketing. No, it, it was. I didn't even hear about it. I just really saw it, and I was interested, and I was like, oh, let me check this out. And, yeah, it was crazy. We learned a lot about like just the marketing of films yeah. and how politicized the whole distribution game is. <laughs> crazy, right? And it's crazy, and you know, but we haven't made one penny on it, by the way. Right. It was what? How much did you say it was to do the whole thing? We probably spent almost a million. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't made one penny because the, I mean, it was just in the trades today. The distributor is bankrupt. Wow. Yeah. Really? So you don't get paid <laughs> don't on even it? get me started talking on that. Are you serious? It's a disaster. Oh my god. It's gosh. an absolute disaster. It was, in, yeah. There was a lot of, let's just say negligence. Oh man, and, that's uh, scary. Yeah. I mean, we did. The marketing of that film, we got incredible press hits. Yeah. We're like an Oprah magazine or NPR. Like the vast majority of all that came through. My, my sister and I hired people beneath us and basically started a marketing company for our film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did all, and we invested our own money into it. Wow. Um, cause these other guys didn't really know what they're doing. Wow. It was a disaster. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that beside you. Sorry, I know the of, wheels have totally come no, off. No, no. I have no idea. That aside, you learned a lot of great lessons during this about yeah. relationships and about family and about making yeah. a movie. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the things you learned about relationships because you, mm-hmm. you ended the relationship from this movie for a certain reason, right? Say, what do you mean? In the movie, in the uh-huh. documentary, yeah. you, you broke up with your girlfriend. Right, right, right. For a certain reason, right? Yeah, yeah. To, because I wanted to make uh, – well, I've, the main thing was I hadn't told my parents about her. Right. And, uh, I think it was like, uh, it was a moment of commitment Yeah. more than, you know, I, I think I, I was trying to decide the sign of commitment would be, okay, if I think I'm going to marry you or likely, likely head in that direction, then it's probably a good time to tell my parents. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, uh, you know, I don't really want to tell my parents that and I'm not really sure how committed I am to this thing then. Right. Uh, and so we broke up and that was the beginning of you know, this journey of this time in my life when I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, I love my parents and I want to make them happy. Yeah. Obviously the most important thing in their happiness is my own happiness. Right. Uh, and I always grew up thinking I was going to marry an Indian girl, but I also have all these other things about me that are very American. And it's also, it's really f- hard to find a a girl in general that you want to be with. Right. And I have all these additional statistics, like all these, all these additional kind of like very specific things like being Indian and being <laughs> the same mix of American as me. Um, so yeah, it, that was the beginning of me trying to figure out what I really wanted and how to reconcile, um, you know, the search for love while with the, the expectations of tradition, mm-hmm. which I think we all know. We yeah. all know what it feels like from generation to generation. Yeah. You know, family is really interesting because it's, 
we, we're the we're the ugliest to the people we love the most, right? True. And all the fights in family are pretty much always people who are, have the same goal but have a different way of getting there, mm-hmm. right? But the goal is actually, I want you to be better off. I want us to be better off. It's the goal is love. Mm-hmm. But in the moment when you're fighting about it, it becomes hate. And that why is that? I think. I think uh, when you're when you're fighting, I, I'm I'm fascinated with how you fight with people you love. I'm fascinated by it. I think it's like it's like my most important pursuit in life is figuring out a way to do it better and better, even with my wife. Right. Right. I, I don't know why it is. I think I think we feel first of all comfortable. I think there's a point at which we lose respect when we're fighting with so much we someone we love. I think we all know what it feels like when you're in a conversation and. It becomes not about the truth, but about winning, mm-hmm. right? We all know we, especially as competitive guys, especially as competitive <laughs> guys. But ego, ego is your worst enemy mm-hmm. in uh, any sort of a debate, right? And then when you're when you're with someone you love, you feel the safety that because you are in love, you can't lose this person, right? So therefore, you feel uh, you feel like respect doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. The benefit of the doubt doesn't matter. Basically, your ego can go unchecked, and you get obsessed with winning. And it's, it's a really, um, you know, I'll give you an example with my sister for the first like four years of making this movie, we, we had, we had such different sensibilities. Mm. And so we'd be butting heads. And in this conversation, it would never let, it, it wouldn't, it would end up evolving from a conversation about an idea to a conversation about who's right. Uh, which is by the way, exactly what's happening in our political landscape these yeah. days. Right. Uh, and what happened was we both just got really tired of hurting each other's feelings and fighting. It was not a productive way. It was super inefficient in terms of filmmaking. Right. Horrible way to collaborate. That's what um, took it six years to create. <laughs> partially sure, yeah. And But also, that's not the relationship I want with my sister. Bottom line, it's my sister. I want to love her. I want to be a good brother to her. I want to make her a better person. I want her to make me a better person. And I know that she feels the same way about me. So in these moments when we're disagreeing, we have to stop and ask each other, okay, are we talking about the idea or are we trying to win? Because if we're trying to win, let's stop and contextualize it in terms of we both love each other. We both want the best thing here. Okay, so then we shouldn't be mean. We should be respectful. We should we should say yes to the other person's idea first, live in that idea. That was a big thing I learned about collaborating. I think it's really helped me in business. Like when someone else has an idea, instead of immediately giving my my gut reaction, which can often be the opposite or why it's a bad idea, instead I will usually spend about five minutes trying to be that person's wingman on that idea. Mm-hmm. And you'd be shocked. The emotion goes away. The, the emotional resistance and the skepticism. Wow. Often will fade, and five minutes later, if you really commit to being the wingman on that person's idea, you five minutes later you will often love that idea. Hmm. It's been one of the greatest tools, and it, and that and that's something that I use in relationships. I had a breakdown moment with my sister where we were just in my place, and I and I started crying, and I was like, I'm just so tired of hating you. Wow, I don't. I feel like a horrible person. This is not the brother I want to be to you. Um, I don't know what we're doing wrong, but we have to fix something here. And she was crying too. And we just had like a really beautiful talk about what we really want out of this whole thing. 
And I think to go back to your original question, when you're arguing with family, I think people forget like what the final goal is, which is like, we all want a good thing. Mm. And now with my parents, it's like, we have a more transparent relationship. We communicate about, about, you know, anything that's coming up, we talk about it openly and there's a respect that's there, even when the opinions, which as you saw in the movie, opinions run strong constantly in my family. But now there's a respect that, that says like, okay, well, you know, this is why I disagree with you, blah, 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 but I get it, you know, and then we move on. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was fascinating. <laughs> so I know I talked a lot of that coffee. No. really kicked in. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, I don't want to spoil the uh, end of the movie for people because I want people to watch the movie. It's really great. It's still on Netflix right now. Yeah. It's still on Netflix. Go yeah. watch it. I learned so much about myself and in relationships, how I am in relationships from watching your experience. Oh, that's awesome. So it was really cool. Oh, that's the best um, thing you could have said. That's yeah, great. it was really cool. So, but I'm curious. What was the thing that, can you think of one thing that like, um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but what was? Well, I think it would spoil the surprise of the end of the movie if I said. Really? You can't tell me a theme without telling me how it ended. Um, I'm really pressing. <laughs> I'm really pressing. I'll tell you what, think about it. Go on I'll to your question. I'll come back to it. I'll come sure. back to it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, my question is, what is the biggest thing you learned about relationships for yourself after ending the relationship in mm-hmm. the movie? What was the right, biggest thing you right. learned from going on all these dates? And I guess without spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, that's another t- – I guess we have two questions to come back to. Um, my <laughs> um, – Because you were step. afraid of the commitment. You were afraid of the commitment. Yeah, I was afraid of the commitment. You weren't sure if it was the right thing. Yeah. You took a break. Yeah. You went out and spread your – you know, seed to say, not, not, not literally, but you, in you know, context, you went out there. And- in the context of the film, I think my fears were that by breaking tradition, I was going to, uh, I'm, I was going to put myself in a position to essentially not succeed in love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think the biggest lesson is that love, like, look, there's this one thing that, you know, I mentioned this on, when I was on Bill Maher the other night, like there's three major, uh, three major kind of, I don't know, guideposts to a successful relationship. And depending on what model of marriage you were mm-hmm. raised with, you put emphasis on different ones of those pillars. So, yeah. so the main pillar here in, in the, in, in America is actually love. It's this chemistry, this feeling that you just want to be around each other. Most Americans put almost all their eggs in that basket. And that's why the minute it's gone, the, the relationship's gone. Feel, the relationship's gone. There's these other two pillars that are really important. And those are the ones that my parents entirely based their marriage on because obviously they were arranged. So the love didn't come till later. Mm. One of them is compatibility. That's what the bio data, this matrimonial resume, resume is premised on. Right. Essentially, it's like, you know, this idea that if we come from the same place, we speak the same language, we eat the same kind of foods, experiences, we're yeah. also going to want the same things in life and we're going to be able to create this team. We're going to, we're going to be able to work better together as a team because we're going to be going to the same place together. Yeah. If you don't yeah. want the same things, it's going to be hard to be compatible. Exactly. Which is something that a lot of people, for whatever reason, skip over, it seems. And then the other one is commitment. The idea that this is about more than just you. When you are in a relationship, the commitment is the most important thing. It's it's not unlike a startup. It, it really isn't because you're you know you, you've worked with co-founders before. I've obviously had co-founders before. Anytime you're doing something that matters and is worthwhile, the the most important obstacle in intimacy, whether it's in business or love is conflict. So mm-hmm. that is actually, that's where the juice is. 
if you're doing 10,000 hours to get, become an expert or anything, <sighs> they'll tell you the difference between good and great is that part that's necessarily not fun. That's right. where the breakthrough is. It's the best part of a workout. It's the part the that, pain. You, that you hate the most. Yeah. yeah. So, um, when the legs start to shake and can't breathe and yeah, yeah, that's when the good stuff is. You have to learn how to squeeze the juice out of the, out of the good stuff, which is the hardest stuff. Commitment, compatibility, and love are the three pillars of yeah. a successful relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so, I think, I think we're now, it's becoming something that, you know, people are becoming increasingly aware of. I mean, there's a big movement for, I mean, this podcast is entirely premised right. on positive psychology, right? right? And then, so you have positive psychology, you have uh, behavioral economics is a new, is a new, uh, is new branch of academia, right? Mm -hmm. These are all things that have come as a result of living in a more frenetic world where we're overwhelmed with, with choices and, and stimuli, you know, we're watching eight shows, you know, we're on our laptop while we're watching TV and, right. you know, now, so now there's, we have to actually focus harder to be happier uh, and to make, and to make choices because now we're pickier. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I just lost it, but you, it's all good. you know where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, when did you meet your current wife? What's that? When did you meet your current wife? I met her, let's see, probably two and a half, two and a half years ago, two and a half, three years ago. Oh, really? And when did yeah. you guys get married? Uh, we got married twice. So we had a small wedding in November, which was like an intimate kind of 30 person thing. And then we had the big Indian shit show in November, <laughs> and that was like six hundred. Where was that? North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole week long thing. It was yeah, it was insane. Wow, man, it was so much fun. I wow, mean, we had a blast. My parents, uh, my parents, this is like their dream. This is their yeah. This this is their Super Bowl. This is their Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, and when I tell you, like every time I like Facetimed with them, there's like forty other Indians in there. Like it was, you know, the national convention for <laughs> this wedding. They had so many people working. You know, in the Indian culture, like they don't hire a wedding planner. One of the friends takes over, and they're all there, like planning the wedding. All the parents. You don't have any say on the napkins and the food. And no, I have say. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I think I imagine, I imagine it varies from family to family, mm -hmm. but my parents' wish was like, "Hey, we'd rather you not have a say in most things, because we got a lot of opinions here." Wow. And you know, my thought was, "Well, great." Cause I got other things to do. Right. So, you know, you know, I gave him some notes. Yeah. Uh, there was three things that I said really mattered to me. Right. One of which was like, I don't want to be so tired. I want to be able to actually enjoy it. Yeah. So I don't want to be over schedule. I, you know, my wife was pregnant. So I was like, I, we need to be able to schedule breaks for her. And I also said, I want Saturday night. I want, I want every, I want my crew done at 11 so I can, uh, so I can throw my own after party. Oh, and they cool. made that happen. That's amazing. Through a little bus party starting at 11. It was great. <laughs> and she's not Indian, right? She's not. She looks it, but she's yeah, not. She a little bit. It's close enough. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> she's half white, half Afghan. Did you think you were going to eventually marry an Indian girl after this experience or? No. No. Or no. did you know you didn't want to marry an Indian girl? I knew it didn't matter that much. Didn't matter. And that was like, you know, that was the beginning of kind of that thing where I, it was just, I was like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's a big deal. Like, like all this stuff I was, all this emphasis I was putting on culture and tradition and, and the norms, um, and the expectations, 
it was all like the reason why I really cared about all that stuff when I really thought about it was just because I love my family and I want that relationship to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And when I bring someone else into it, I want them to be a value add to this thing. And my fear was that they would come in and divide it. Gotcha. And in order for them to come in and be a value add, all they really need is to love me to be committed to me and to also have that same respect and commitment towards my family. I want, I, I wanted a girl who can come in and, uh, you know, and be the daughter-in-law that my parents always wanted. Right. And it's just going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's just about being thoughtful and that's not a religious or cultural thing. Sure. It's just like a good person thing who gets what family's about. Right. Right. Did yeah. you have any fears in getting married? Of course. I mean, I still do. It's, dude, the it's the fears? hardest thing in the world. What are the big fears? I just told you I was in couples therapy. It's yeah. not, it wasn't entirely because of good things. Right, right. Fears? Yeah. Well, first of all, monogamy is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I just alluded to, it's crazy. Right, right. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not an incredible thing. Sure. But if you live in LA, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're a dude who's been let's say let's say you're like a handballed athlete <laughs> slash football player slash a guy who wrote a book called The School of Greatness. <laughs> I think at the end of that rainbow, we're hoping for more vaginas. <laughs> That's on a on a very psychological on a primal level. Primal. That is part of the pot of gold. It's primal, yeah. Yes, sure. Um, <laughs> so you know, look. In the last year, I've had a hit documentary. You're I was on a TV bigger, show bigger. on Fox. Master of None ended up being like the biggest show. I was on Bill Maher a couple right, weeks right. ago. And you know what? Well, you know what my Your pot of gold was? <laughs> Love. <laughs> right. I, look, it's great. Right. But it's partially because you have to you have to convince yourself that it's great. Sure. We've been handed this thing. No, man, I've been doing it a bit. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's hard, man, because you yeah. – it's, there's sacrifice, right? I mean, you really have to figure out what matters to you in life. You do have to kind of think about the ego stuff of like yeah. the sexual validation that you can get when you're, when you're kind of gaining power and attention. Um, but I've found it really, uh, and when you were growing up cleansing right. for me to have to really? choose, to have to choose. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, when you're doing a cleanse, you're giving up. I'm like I went from it's cleansing to literal cleanse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when you're doing a cleanse, you're like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have milkshakes for three days. I'm not gonna do chocolate chip cookies. It's tough. I'm not gonna do pizza. By the way, those are three of my favorite things in Me the world. Me too. Okay, great. <laughs> Why are you giving it up for three days? Because you think this other thing is better, mm-hmm. right? That's as be- it's about as great analogy as I can give you. Okay, <laughs> I'm giving up some things that I know are delicious. Yes. Okay, but I'm investing in this thing that will be the best meal of my life. Mm-hmm. And the more I learn about it, the more I invest in it in terms of the commitment, the teamwork. It's like the beauty of going deep. Of like the, what what's great about love. You know, it's like you get into all this crazy stuff with the person because we're all crazy, right? And then you start working through it. And in a, in the process of doing that, you're actually – how many people in life are going to be that – that go that deep a dive in yourself? It becomes a mirror on your on on your own psyche 
and your own spirituality. And that is an incredible gift when you find mm. a partner who's willing to do that kind of deep dive with you, yeah. because ultimately it becomes a, a journey of self-discovery. Um, it's the most beautiful thing, man. Right. But it's hard, dude. We, yeah. you know, we got married at a time when I was working, I don't know, 13 hour days or whatever. And, and she's pregnant and it's a big Indian wedding, you know, and, 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 uh, and she was in her first trimester and she was vomiting every day. Stressful. It yeah. was beyond, I mean, just being that sick makes you depressed. And like, yeah. and we were just going and, you know, we were just going through and we'd only been together for like two, two, two and a half years, a lot and bought a new place that we're renovating. There's just a lot of change and, and that caused that puts stress on the thing. Yeah. And it was really hard. And we had some really, like, we said some ugly things. We had some big fights. Um, but. Just like, just like that euphoric feeling of when a hangover goes away. <laughs> I've never had that feeling. I've oh yeah, you've drunk. never drank. I knew that yeah, about yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just when you're sugar sick. high. Imagine yeah. when you're sick for like and how depressed it's you gone. get when you're sick, and that you that first time you go running or yeah, that it's feeling. The best. Of, it's you're the so best. So grateful. You're like, oh, uh, I'm you're so, so grateful, grateful for my legs and everything. Yeah. <laughs> the the what what happens when you come out of a, a fight is. If you do it right, it's euphoric and it's euphoric not only because it's gone, but because if you do it right every time, if you're both committed to using it as an opportunity, mm. then you'll always come out of it being better at fighting and you'll be better at understanding each other, better at learning these things about yourself. You'll come out of it committed to, um, to fixing these things about yourself, uh, that you want if not only because you want to be a happier, better person, but because you want to be a better person to this mm. other person on your team. Yeah. Which also comes back to you because that makes that person better to you. Right. It's an it's an awesome, beautiful thing, and you have to focus on that while all the you know hot you know models are walking by <laughs> at dinner. So you're saying it's even harder for you now? I mean, because I remember in the documentary you talked about how mm -hmm. you had like one girlfriend or something, or like two girlfriends growing yeah, yeah. up, maybe. Yeah. So you didn't have all these opportunities. No. In your early twenties, really being out here. No, I mean, I, now I always crushed like, it with Indian girls because yeah. I felt like, I, really I felt like I was like the cool, <laughs> I felt like I was like the cool Indian. I was just confident for whatever right, reason. Right. I was like, oh, they want me. Maybe they did or not. <laughs> you know, it's a self-fulfilling thing when you're confident. Sure, and, sure. uh, conversely, when I'm around non-Indian girls, I would friend zone them because I assumed that that's all they want. Right. Um, but, but now you're everywhere no. and everyone recognizes you. <laughs> So you find it yeah. even more challenging because even... they're just all too late. Like I just tell them, like I just don't need that validation anymore. Right? I'm there full. Yeah, this would have been great, like five, ten years ago. <laughs> I have so many. Like my single friends go, like I can't tell you. Some of them are just obsessed with. They're like, they're just like, this is a disaster. They're like, how are you single now? How are you not single right, right now? Right, right, right. And I'm like, you know what, man? It's all good. It's just too late. I, yeah. I'm I like 37 now, 38, right? Yeah, I'm 37. I, like, I just, that stuff doesn't matter to me now. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just really, like, you know, a funny thing happens depending on, you know, I think in our, in the achievement generation, these mm -hmm. people, like, we're all obsessed with, like, doing big things, right. doing well at work. I think our emotional growth is a little stunted where we don't really go through. Yeah that big transformation from uh, like adulthood to man, if that makes sense. Like there's this thing that happens where you really, you stop trying to be the guy you want to be and you become the person you are. And uh, that happened to me sometime in the last three, four years. Yeah. I know who I am. I like myself. I know 
mo- for the most part, the things that I need to work on. Yeah. I forgive myself for them. Uh, and I am also really grateful for the people who love me. And those are the only people's validation I really mm-hmm. seek are the people who I need. Yeah. Love wise. Yeah. Um, and once you have that, these other things become so insignificant. They just become like little moments of appetite. You know, right. they become cravings. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> those cravings can be addictive sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a drug all the time. Man. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's our country's battle with sugar. I know. Is entirely premised. That's why I did the cleanse because I'm like addicted to sugar. I go. So, if you do the cleanse for a week, you can totally get off sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to totally. be off sugar for a and while. And caffeine is a good thing to get off yeah, of. Yeah. yeah. I'm not on caffeine. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I just had a cup caffeine. of coffee before I talked to you because I, I was like, ugh. You know why? Because I had three drinks at dinner last night, and now I'm too old where apparently I can't have three drinks without feeling hungover, which is bananas. That three drinks gave me a hangover. So I'm like, oh, I need to drink coffee before I go on Lewis' thing so I don't (laughs) – so I'm not entirely dumb and boring. (laughs) Now I can't stop talking. No, you're good. good. (laughs) Well, I want to wrap it up with a few final questions. This has been great, and I want to make sure everyone goes and watches the the film. It's – uh, meet the Patels. Meet the Patels. On and it's Netflix. on Netflix. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Where can we connect with you online the most? Where do you hang out with? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Show Me the Ravi. Show me the Ravi. Show me the Ravi. <laughs> oh, it's so lame. Uh, but yeah, big fan of Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yeah, me too. I like that. Show me the Ravi on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. That's where you hang yeah. out the most. That's where I hang out. Oh, I hang out on Facebook the most, but those are people yeah. I know. You, hey, right, whoever's right. listening to this, you can't be in that club. <laughs> I want to add you there. <laughs> yeah. Are we not Facebook friends? <laughs> Maybe. I'll add uh, you if not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's the vision going forward? You've created so much in the last 10 years since right. you've been here. What is the main vision now? Like, what do you want to create for yourself in this, in this world? So I, you know, I think it's just about doing things that uh, in some way teach me about myself and bring me closer to the people I love. So like, for example, we, oh my God, I don't think we can talk about it. I have a granola bar company. This bar saves lives. For everybody we sell, we donate a life-saving meal packet to a child mm-hmm. in need. That was a really cool thing at the time because I was like, you know, I want to do things that impact the world. Yeah. Now, actually, I'm more of like – I'm more thinking, okay, I want to build a neighborhood here in LA that is entirely – uh, premised on positive psychology and wow. there's like no cell phones there for the, like, I'm thinking about building the perfect community to raise, uh, happy and socially and emotionally intelligent children. Um, so I'm thinking about more on a smaller level. I'm thinking about family. I'm thinking about community. Like I would love to just have my own bar that's in this neighborhood like that. There you go. Like I'll be Woody at cheers. You know, <laughs> right, right. Um, I think it's, it's just about. I guess it's also about you know, I've I've put so much effort towards output, and I'm I'm naturally drawn to output even when I talk even when I say things like I'm saying now, uh, but I want to become a person who puts more more value on input. I want to be one of those guys who just sits around and mm-hmm. like you call him, he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Nothing." <laughs> I think that's a great quality right. as I Chill get it. older. I just want to hang out with my kids, yeah. be a good dad. Yeah. But yeah, I'm. What's <laughs> What's the biggest lesson? you think you still need to learn about yourself? I mean, there's so many, but I, I mean, first of all, just listening to that advice I just said right now, like I'll probably still attempt to do five. Right, right. You'll still be outputting everything yet. Yeah. I'll be writing, directing and (laughs) acting and a million things and investing. I get very excited. Um, I think the biggest lesson, um, wow. 
for me, for me, it's always about mindfulness. Mm. Like whenever things get negative or, um, like negativity for me begets frenetic kind of mindset. Like I just have too many thoughts. I'm a little rudderless. Mm. And, you know, when I say mindfulness, I mean, really contextualizing my goals and my pursuits into my, my like bigger life yeah. journey. Like what Matt, what actually matters to me. Sure. Um, Cause it's really easy to get excited about a million things in the world for the wrong reasons, especially these days because yeah. no generation has ever had more access to more cool stuff. It's true. <laughs> stuff, ideas, people, all those things. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that way at all? Absolutely, do you feel, man. yeah. Do you, do you feel distractions. like, yeah. I mean, do you feel like that's a day to day struggle for you where you're able to figure out your distractions or do you it's, feel pretty focused? No, I mean, it's just, I'm pretty focused, but there's so many opportunities. You right. Know, I'm sure. For you too. There's a new opportunity every day for you. Yeah. Like let's work on this project and this project. Yeah. And that's what I have as well. And that's a problem. It's a problem to say no to all the cool stuff out there. I think it's hard. Yeah. And to focus on your vision and what really matters. Yeah. Because, well, the more opportunities you get, the more, at least for me, I was just telling this to someone the other day, the more opportunities that you get, the more filters you have to throw into how you yeah. make those decisions. Yeah. But those are actually really awesome filters. They're just luxuries that most people aren't used to having. Right. You know, like for my dad who came here, he borrowed money from his entire village to come here. Wow. He, his filter was... Will it allow me to uh, – will it, will it provide my kids a better education? Will it allow me to pay rent and buy – it was like very basic yeah. basic kind of blue-collar stuff, which is what most people – and then you know, we're in this really cool place, and I imagine a lot of your listeners are, where you get to think of this, these triple bottom lines, these, yeah. other, these other things beyond just making a living, and those are – I mean, there's could not be more valuable in understanding what those met, like how we measure those metrics mm -hmm. and how we play them in our lives. It, it, it's just such a privilege. It's like a beautiful, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's what yeah, your whole great. podcast is about. <laughs> um, what are you most grateful for in your life? My family. Yeah. As, uh, it was probably pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Do I'm, people not ask you these questions? You look generally stuck. A lot of people don't. Genuinely yeah, yeah. stumped. They only have once in a while. But <laughs> what I'm going to scrape for today is my health. I mean, I think every day is my health uh, first because, you know, if I'm not healthy, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. You definitely take care of yourself. You know, I want to revise one of my answers. That's my biggest issue is, is taking care of myself. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my wife is very focused on every other diet there is, right? I'm, no just, I'm just, I'm Either just, I'm just super clean or super. Over the I'm just, top, right? I'm just an extreme. Yeah. yeah. I, I tr I'm trying to be, I've gotten right. way better just by living in LA. You're already, a, your baseline's a little healthier, but yeah. still I can, yeah. I'm, I've now, you know, we live in Venice. So now I, and she cooks like vegan food all the time. But, right, right, right. But when she leaves town, the, I mean, it gets crazy. <laughs> it's whatever you want. It's a free for all. There's just, there's like pizza, ice cream, and cookies that's everywhere. It, that's it. I got to come over sometime then. <laughs> when love, she's gone. Next time she goes out of town, let's <laughs> yes. have a sleepover. <laughs> 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 okay. Final couple of questions. Uh, I want to wrap it up for you. Sure. Um, this is the three truths question. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard at the end of the uh -huh. episodes. Mm -hmm. um, it's the end of the day for you. It's mm -hmm. the last day many years from now. Your whole family is there. Everyone you love is there. And mm -hmm. everything you've ever created is erased. It's gone. Mm -hmm. The the biggest documentary of all time is is <laughs> gone. You know, all those things you've done, right? Mm -hmm. 
and you had, get to write down on a piece of paper the, the three things you know to be true about your life and your experience and what you would pass on as the lessons for everyone else in your family, mm -hmm. what would be your three truths? Mm, I love this question. Uh, oh God, I just... I feel like I'm already going to very cheesy places. Do people always end up? Okay. Uh, Whatever you can we make like. a deal before I give you this answer? <laughs> After I give you my three truths, can we evaluate whether or not they were good sure. answers, I even though they, that's not something you're supposed to do? Sure. Can we collectively judge the answers? If you want to. I would love to. Okay. Okay. Three truths. Three truths. One is that the more love you give, the more love you feel, the happier you are. One, two, and three are all the same. One equals family. Okay? Two, focus on what you have. Be ha be grateful for what you have. And forgive and let go of the stuff you don't. And do the same onto others if you want to love them. Mm -hmm. You know, most people in – one of the biggest conflicts in relationships is people tend to focus on changing the things they don't like instead of loving the things that they do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Number two. I feel really good about number two. Just that's a solid for, for when we go to critique it. I, I like want you to one. know right off the I bat. I like that a lot. I like number two. <laughs> okay. <sighs> number three. Final number truth. three. Final truth. This is your, your message to the world. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll make number three a school of greatness exclusive. All right. Nobody is talented. You will only do as well as the work you put into it. Do you like that? Did that make sense? I feel like it could have been worded better. However you want to word it. No. See, okay. I liked it. Let's get into the judgment phase. I liked it. Three was great. I just didn't say it well. It wasn't <laughs> eloquent, but it was great. It was great. Yeah. I And I really feel this way. People yeah. aren't. No one's talented. We're only as talented as the work we put in. There's a perception of talent. There's a perception of innate, like some yeah. sort of innate gift. The only innate gift you have is, 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 uh, the environment that you were brought mm -hmm. into. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I see it day in, day out. The most talented people are often not the people who succeed. The people they who work succeed, the hardest. The hustlers always. And they're consistent. Yeah. And at least hustle is something you can bank on. Right. The rest is a game of poker. I like God, it. I wish that was my number three. What, <laughs> we'll edit it in for let's, you. Let's talk about your honest critiques mm -hmm. of the three things. Okay. In fact, I know you're a pleaser, so you're going to say nice things about the three things. I want you to tell me the negative things about the three things. <laughs> Here's an exercise that you, I know you suck at. Go ahead. What's Does the, he suck at it? What's your name? What's the, Tiff. 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 Listeners. <laughs> the first one. Okay, the first one. <laughs> what was the first one? What, oh, unbelievable. Do you remember the first one? <laughs> Family. Family, Family's love is love is what you give. Yes, family. L the love you get is the love you give. Okay. So okay. Do you feel good about that one? The, yes. The okay. love you get is the love you give. Yes. Yep, that's right. You get out of anything what you put into it. Yeah, but also just it's a, it's more a statement about happiness in life. Yes. Like the more positivity you put out, like generally speaking, the more you get you you get. I mean, I feel like the everyone getting understands is in the giving. That's right. That's the right. Getting is in the giving. I think. This isn't a negative criticism. You're just you're just yeah, clarifying. I am. I think you're. I think you're on to something. <laughs> I think you're on to something. I think. Uh, I want your listeners. Here's the thing. The, the, okay. the key to f fulfillment in life that I've learned mm -hmm. is contribution and growth. Mm -hmm. When we are giving to other people, mm -hmm. we are the most fulfilled. When we're, when we're learning, when we're growing, we are fulfilled. We're happier. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about happiness and love, yes. when we're giving and making about service, that's why I talk about, for me, it's about uh, impacting 100 million people in my yes. lifetime. I want to serve as many people as I can. 
And maybe I'll never reach that number, but for me, it's going to be the pursuit of service. Yes, yes. And you know what? You're hitting on an even bigger primal mm-hmm. need that we have. You know, we talked about sex, but the right, biggest right. primal need is actually primal need amongst male and females is purpose. Mm-hmm. That's really, I mean, when you look at, uh, uh, have you ever been to, a, well, you've, you have, have you ever taken someone to an AA meeting? No. Yeah. I've had the fortune of taking a number of people there. <laughs> sure, never been. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it's something that everyone could use. It's, a, it's mostly premised on community yeah. and giving people a sense of purpose. And they're kind of given a form where say, Hey, in addition to someone being here to help you, you have to help mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. And that's actually what helps, you know, in many ways people create their own feeling of self-confidence yeah. and, and uh, makes them want to yeah, wake up. Mentoring. And you know, mentoring makes you like, feel good about yeah, yourself. Of course. So I like that one. Okay. Um, the second one was, I don't know. They're all good. This is hard. I like them all good. They're all great. Yeah. You did a great job. <laughs> Give you an A. A for your Thanks, Ed. Dude, I love talking to you, man. I'll I'm, tell you. And I, 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 I should have told you this earlier, but I think what you're doing is really important work. Thank you. And, you know, I think I probably tweeted this to you, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of your show. Um, but I, I feel like I'm almost a bigger fan of, of, of the legacy that you're attempting, I appreciate to, you it. know, the personal legacy. I think it's, it's important work and hopefully, I appreciate you know, it. you're touching people's lives. It's a good I thing. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Man. Thanks, man. Well, I've got one final question for you. Okay. Before I ask it, I want to acknowledge you for a moment mm-hmm. for, I want to acknowledge you for your humor because I think the world needs more humor. Thank you. I think we need a lot more humor in our world <laughs> when we have a lot of stress and anxiety and mm-hmm. fears and doubts and insecurities. Sure. We need to have more fun. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge you for your humor. I want to acknowledge you for your courage in putting yourself fully out there in a documentary about your relationship. Because I yeah. think that's probably one of the most scary things to do is mm-hmm. to document a relationship and a breakup and the process of not knowing what you're supposed to do in a relationship. So I want to acknowledge you for the reason why it's such a big documentary is because you're impacting so many people. And I want to acknowledge you for that courage and that I probably would have, after five years, stopped a project. But you were able to stay committed to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's really inspiring to see that you push through the, the messiness with your family and your sister to put this message out there. Oh, thank and you. Uh, so I want to acknowledge you for, for all that you're doing and the joy you bring to the world. Oh, that's really kind, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So, God, are we going to make out? This is are. amazing. Yes. <laughs> this is great. Final question. I want to make sure when you go follow my man over on Twitter, show me the Ruby. Show me the Ruby. On yeah. Twitter and Instagram. Twitter and Instagram. And uh, check out the, the Netflix show. It's amazing. The, yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to send people to before I ask the final question? Is there another website that you uh, have? Or? I think, I think that's, that's it. I'm okay. very excited. I want people who are listening to this to tweet at me. Show at me the Show Ruby. me the Ruby and at you, what's your at Lewis, Lewis house. Okay. I want you to tweet at us and critique the three things. <laughs> there you and go. I, ideally you're actually critiquing the critiques of the three things. Oh man. For example, that's <laughs> one, one, uh, uh, Lewis's Lewis did a great job of not saying anything bad of Ravi's three things. <laughs> there you go. Despite what, you know, stuff like that. There you go. Tweet us both. Show me tweet the Ravi and our Lewis house. You know what tweets we're going to get? Yeah. Uh, at show me the Ravi. <laughs> You're a disrespectful asshole for asking these questions to Lewis. So anytime I ask any sort of a challenging question on like a radio show or a podcast, yeah, yeah. there's always back. these listeners. Oh, they're just like, you, you arrogant. <laughs> like, <laughs> people are, dude, the Bill Maher tweets. Oh my God. Crazy, huh? Oh my, I, I had a very they're rude. They're still coming in probably, right? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I had a very rude moment 
where I lost it. And I really? just, yeah. And I totally demeaned this woman. I mean, the crowd went crazy. Right. They loved it. But the interwebs uh, went crazy as well. And rightfully. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Hate city out wow. of every, like, it's like Donald Trump. She said, that, well, she was talking about how much she loves Trump and she wrote a wow. book about why everyone should have a gun. And then she went on this whole thing about how great of a guy Trump is. And at this point I had read her entire book. Wow. You really and, prepared. Yeah. And, and the book, it was just poorly researched. I just really did not enjoy it. And then I'm nervous as hell. Um, it's like the most barbaric environment for a conversation, you know, when people are like cheering you on. <laughs> and then she says all these things about Trump and I just let my emotions get the best of me. And What'd I go, say? I just, I just wrote, yeah, well, you wrote, you wrote a book called Emily Gets a Gun. So I don't think that really, I don't think your point of view really matters. Oh, wow. It was so childish and I was, I felt really uh, bad about it because that's, that's actually antithetical to how I believe you should yeah, handle yeah. conflict. It's sure. not what I've been, I should have said not something. Putting in, someone down and making fun of someone. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. I should have actually said something that was an intelligent yeah. rebuttal that felt her, that created a safer space for her to have a real conversation. Backed with education and facts. <laughs> education <laughs> and empathy. Right, you know, right. it's like that, hey, you, your point of view does matter because yeah, we yes. want to get through this. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. Anyway, Twitter went nuts and people were, more people were on my side. And I'm like, yo, I don't want your hate either. Right, like, right. I don't want to be a part of either one of this. Yeah. I messed up. <laughs> sure, sure. It's all good. Uh, well, this has been great. I appreciate it. I have one more question for one you. One more question. And that's what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness. Oh man, greatness is optimism. Is that no? Is that what I want? You tell me. Greatness. Yeah, greatness is actually being optimistic. If like it's, it's not opportunity. It's not optimizing. It's being optimistic. Mm. If you can be happy and positive and grateful day to day your life will be great Robbie Patel thanks for coming on man alright brother let's go make out <laughs> <laughs> thanks man I appreciate it there we have it I hope you guys enjoyed the bromance of Lewis and Ruby. that's right make sure to say hi to Ruby over on his Twitter and Instagram all of his information and uh, about how you can watch his documentary, check out his shows. Everything he's done is back at lewishouse.com slash 349. And if you enjoyed this, please tweet me and let me know what you thought about this. And also tweet Ravi as well and let us both know what you thought. Share it with your friends. For all the busy entrepreneurs out there and all the business owners, Bench is the online bookkeeping service that pairs you with a team of dedicated bookkeepers who use simple elegant software to do bookkeeping for you. And by using Bench, you can cross bookkeeping off your list forever and focus on what matters most around what you love in your business. Now, for School of Greatness listeners, you receive 20% off your first six months of bookkeeping with Bench. Make sure to go to bench.co slash greatness to receive 20% off. Again, that's bench, B-E-N-C-H dot co slash greatness and get 20% off and never have to do bookkeeping ever again. And if this is your first time here, make sure to subscribe to the School of Greatness podcast. We get over 1.3 million downloads a month. And it's because of people like you that come on every single episode or new people who come on and subscribe and then share the message of greatness. So if you like to be great, if you want others around you to be great, then please subscribe and share this episode because we are 
bringing incredible guests, inspiring people from all walks of life on these interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I would love for you to be part of the journey with us. So thanks again for subscribing. Thanks for listening or watching. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom. Crop out. Yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.